Blog Talk Radio. This is the Naked Talk with Alex Okoji. It's all about straight talk with some of the biggest global icons, leaders, entertainers, motivational speakers, authors, life coaches, relationship experts, social advocates, and extraordinary friends as they strip themselves their experiences, and share their unfiltered thoughts about life issues. I believe in stripping the lies and empowering the mind through the freedom of expression. I'm unapologetic about being open, so I motivate my guests to tell it like it is, and help my listeners build a presence of mind while finding their voice. So it's all about the best in authentic conversations, with real people about real life experiences. So let's keep it unfiltered, unscripted, uncensored, and uncut. You're welcome to today's episode. Another Friday radio special on the Naked Talk with Alex Okurji. And guess what? Yes, you're listening to the Queen of Expression. My name is Alex Okurji, and I'm coming live to you all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, in the heart of West Africa. Yay! (laughs) So, hey, what's going on? Um, You know what? I'm always very excited. I'm sure you can tell. You know, every time I come on the show, I'm always excited because I am always looking forward to real great authentic conversations with real authentic people and of course as we say it every week um expression is a sign of strength and not weakness and right here on this show we do not apologize for the things that we have experienced for the things that we're thinking or the things that we have to say no we do not apologize because this is the hub for real authentic conversations so hey guys wherever you're listening from around the world if you're listening right here in nigeria or in Africa, or everywhere else around the world, then you're welcome to the Naked Talk. And I am so excited to be coming to you live. Um, 
on this very blessed day. And, of course, I can't wait to speak to my very special guest who's joining me live all the way from the U.S., and we're going to be having such a great conversation. We're definitely stripping away all the ideas, you know, all those old ideas you've had about self-appeal, and we're going to be having such a really interesting conversation, you know, and it's going to butter a little on, you know, women empowerment, how we sort of um, – you know, project our body, you know, our, our bodies, as should we say. We're going to be talking about self-appeal. And, of course, a lot of, you know, just some of the issues that we have as women um, and how we sort of um, explore ourselves and how we accept ourselves and, of course, you know, maybe a little bit of cultural differences and all of that. But I am so excited because, you know, my very special guest is joining me live all the way from the U.S., and it's going to be an amazing conversation. But just before we get into that conversation, last week on The Naked Talk, we had such a great, great, great conversation. Yes. Um, on Talk Wednesday, we had Ellie Savoy, who joined us uh, live all the way from the countryside in New York. And, of course, we had such a good, good conversation about, um, you know, getting um, – getting in shape, right, without the weight, um, getting in shape, sorry, without the yo-yo diet. And she was here basically to share her, um, her no diet, you know, um, her no diet philosophy, if I will call it that. And she shared her five Ps on just all the things that we need to do to build sort of a mind-body-spirit approach to, you know, having a healthy lifestyle and, you know, keeping up, or keeping up the weight, uh, um, yeah, for, for 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 a really long period of time, and so it was just a great conversation to be able to have that you know that 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 conversation with her about weight loss and how she was able to lose the pounds and lose the stress and all the baggage of having to worry about how she looks, right? <laughs> and have to you know and and you know having to stop experimenting with all the different um, yo-yo diet in the market and just having to work, you're not having to worry, sorry, about counting calories and all of that. And just to listen to her share all the things that she has done to be able to get to this point and to be able to sustain that weight for as long as she's done and how that is also impacting a lot of the people that she's sharing her diet-free lifestyle, you know, with. And I thought that was such a blessing. And I have even started to follow you. So it's, it's weird, but I'm not so serious. I'm serious. Like, you know, just just a lot of the things that we talked about, I started trying to give myself more attention and, you know, put myself first. So it's really interesting the kind of, you know, just the things that we achieve having this sort of conversation. And I've gotten lots of feedback from all, from all of you. Um, you send me lots of emails, guys, and I try to respond as much as I can. I can't always respond to everything, but I want you to know that I get your messages I appreciate them, and I love you. So keep them coming. Don't forget, always, always just keep them coming, and let's stay. Uh, let me know how you feel, what you feel, what you think, you know, about you know, about the show. So all your comments, your feedback, your questions, they're all appreciated. Now, on Friday Radio Special, we had Madison J., who also joined me again, you know, straight from New York as well. But Madison, we talked about creating your own destiny, and here she is, a 25-year-old, doing so much amazing stuff, and even teaching her own social media curriculum at the University of um, Columbia. So it's, it's, just, it's, it's great that we have such amazing people, and women, really, doing so many, you know, just so much amazing stuff. And she was here to just basically share how she went from being parentless to being homeless to having to walk, you know, several miles every day just to find somewhere to eat and walk to school and all of that, and how she's been able to build a pretty much a formidable career in the media space, you know, as a media personality 
and a journalist and a you know a radio show host and just to be able to do all of these amazing things and even teach at the university and you're just 25 and that was just really really great and yes we also got great feedback from that show so um as always if you missed any of those shows live don't forget that you can catch all our archive shows right here at the radio channel on Block Talk Radio. But, or you can catch it on any of our uh, syndicated networks. Exactly. We're syndicating all over your internet radio. So you have no reason whatsoever to miss any episode of The Naked Talk. You can listen to us. We're on Stitcher. We're syndicated on iTunes. We're on TuneIn. We're on Acast. We're on Player FM. We're on we're, we're, where is we? We're on Podcastpedia. We're now on Good Radio Network, and we're also on Pod Africa. Yes, that's right. We're on Port Africa, Africa's biggest destination for um, great, amazing podcasts. And so we're very happy about that. And uh, I've been making a lot of noise about that on social media. So you know me. I talk about it. I just go, yeah, you know, um, this is happening. So um, my very special guest is already here in the studio. We're rolling out the red carpets, just so you know. Um, but just before we get into that, uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Evolution Magazine. Now, Evolution is all about bringing to you the hair side of life and, of course, giving your hair a voice. And you can find them at www.evolutionmagazine.com. And let's not forget our friends at Zeno Online Stores. Now, Zeno is all about the best, top-quality, made-in-Nigeria products. We're talking about homemade products, all homemade, all made right here in Nigeria, the best, you can, the best, best, best you can find from all great, um, uh, amazing fashion, accessories, clothes, to homewares, to just name it. And you can find them at www.zeno.com. And Zeno is Z with a double I, N-O.com. That's Angie. And let's not forget our friends at She Matters. Now, I am very excited to be a She Matters ambassador. Yes, I am a She Matters international ambassador, and I'm always, always thankful for the opportunity to be able to, you know, raise my voice for women, you know, raise my voice for women who are doing amazing stuff, and men who love women as well. So um, it's great to have um, a great movement like that that's helping to empower women and girls around the world and so, yes, you know, She Matters, they're supporting the Naked uh, Talk, and I'm just excited to be representing them right here in Africa. And let's not forget uh, um, the people at the Innocent Convict, um, Director Osage Okorua, as well as Max Saxon-Mayer of The Reporters, Inc., and just the amazing work they're doing, putting together this really formidable documentary on people who have been wrongly convicted, you know, people who are paying doing time and paying for crimes that they haven't committed and how not only does it affect them and their lives, but how it also affects their family, their friends, and even their community and just how, you know, just the adjustments that they have to make knowing fully well that they're stuck in prison doing time for a crime that they're actually innocent of. And so to be able to have these amazing people put together such a wonderful piece of art that just spotlights, you know, what these people are going through and their experience and how the judiciary, you know, the judiciary system sort of um, fails, right, <laughs> right, the justice system fails um, these people, their families, and their community. I think it's such a great step. And if you want to learn so much more about the innocent convict, uh, head on to thereportersinc.org, um, oh, sorry, thereportersinc.org, and learn, you know, so much more about it. Now, just before we get to this conversation and today on the Naked Talk, we're definitely talking about stripping away the old ideas about self-appeal with guest Susan 
Bremer O'Neill. Now, just before we get into that, you know, she, um, leaving her, her job as a scientist for 12 years um, to become an erotic dancer at the Gentleman's Club for almost 10 years. Now, today's guest has been a pioneer and trailblazer her entire life, using her experiences to help thousands of women learn how to feel great about their minds and their bodies and their spirits. Now, she has been interviewed on so many different uh, national television and radio shows, and her writing has appeared in national magazines such as Men's Health, and she has also been a regular guest lecturer at several different colleges, including San Francisco State University and the University of California, Berkeley, in the fields of human sexuality and women's issues. Now, she has emerged a thoughtful, prodded, truthful observer of life, inspiring and empowering many women to look deeper into their own beliefs towards their own success as women in today's world. Now, I'm so excited to have with me an amazing speaker. She's a self-help relationship coach, uh, an author of the book From Sex Appeal to Self-Appeal, Susan Bremer O'Neill, who's joining me live all the way from the U.S. as we explore new ideas for exuding a new sense of self-worth today on the show, and I am so excited. Hi, Susan. Hi, Alex. It is just so wonderful to be with you and your audience today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I don't know if you can see the red carpet, but we do have a red carpet laid out just for you. I see it. I do see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um, Susan, Susan, just before we get into today's conversation, and I know we have so much to talk about, um, let me ask you this first, and I do have a tradition in this show. I always like to know what the weather is like where um, my guests are coming in from, and just to be able to take my listeners on a journey. I mean, we're here in Africa, and so many people haven't been to where, you know, just to take them, just to travel a little bit and know what it's like where my guests are. Uh, what is the weather like where you are right now in the U.S.? Well, it is hot. Um, I'm living in the Central Valley of California. We do produce okay. here um, much of the uh, uh, much of the um, fruit and vegetables uh, for the United States. I'm mm -hmm. not sure about the world, and we have been in a hundred degree, over a hundred degree heat now for at least a week, and uh, so it's really, Whoa. really hot and um, and sunny, very sunny. Um, I'm making sure to keep our animals inside, even though I did put my dogs outside so they don't start barking while we're in the middle of our conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, all, all in all, the area where I live, we don't get much rain at all during the summer. Um, so usually it's beautiful. Today it's kind of like living in a furnace. <laughs> um, you know, but I think it's probably just being generally very hot. Right. Maybe it's something to do with the global, um, I don't know what it is, but I was talking to my friend, you know, Frankie, and she's telling me, oh, my goodness, in Canada it's so hot. And right now it's really hot in Nigeria. Even though for the last couple of weeks it's very cold, and I have been thankful for that weather uh, because it's like the raining season. But there hasn't been, you know, for two days now, three so days really hot as well. So I think I, I can totally picture <laughs> what you're saying, even though we never have winter here in Nigeria or in Africa, uh, but it's, well, at least here in Western Africa, um, it's great to know that um, despite the heat, you can still make today's show. So thank you so much for just making out that time. Now, um, there's 
so much. You know, we need to talk about And for the sake of those who are tuning in, especially from here, those who may not have had the privilege to get to know you or your work or who are probably just stumbling on you for the first time and, um, you know, who are trying to get, get a little bit of insight, you know, to who Susan Bremer O'Neill really is. And I hope I get your name correctly because, again, you know I'm African, so I do have an accent. <laughs> I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Susan. Oh, Alex, it is beautiful. And uh, um, I was listening to some of the other interviews, um, which I thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyed. And and as far as who Susan Bremer Neil O'Neill is today, I, I can't even get it right. Um, it, uh, <laughs> I'm the kind of person who will look on the map to see where – you are. So I did that earlier today, mm-hmm. and it's just so much fun for me to know that I am talking with you in Lagos, Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. to you, and then I and, and I love maps, and, and I have been all over the United States and even into northern Europe, um, but uh, it's just wonderful to, with, with the, the Internet and the technology, that we can have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed exploring where you are. And uh, and that's who I am today. I I love to explore. I uh, I'm very thoughtful. I'm much more peaceful than I ever used to be. Um, uh, I, I'm a married woman today. I've been married for almost eight and a half years, and and our family is uh, six rescue animals. We have uh, four cats and two dogs. Um, and, wow. and I. Yeah, and and I'm really I'm really all about truth and honesty, and I, I get very um, very frustrated. Let me say with the the state of the world and the inhumanity that uh, others perpetuate on on others. Um, so I am I am all about love and and authenticity today. Now this is. 180 degrees from the way I used to be. I, at one time, um, well, let me just say, if I would have met my, if, if today I would have met the old me, I wouldn't have anything to do with me. I, I wouldn't even like the old me. Um, uh, I was, uh, um, I was a, a drug and alcohol user, even though you couldn't tell to look at me from the outside. I. I was mm-hmm. smart, uh, I held a respectable job, and from the outside I looked like I had it all together, uh, but inside mm-hmm. I, was, I was angry, I was chaotic, I was fearful, oh so fearful, and I always felt like I was a victim. Um, so that is mm-hmm. not a good combination, and fortunately my journey to self-appeal has brought me to a, a place of much more peace and, and I'm older I'm older and I'm wiser that's for certain <laughs> definitely and and that comes across you know I feel like when we're younger I mean we experiment and we try things and we do certain things and we don't have an understanding of you know we haven't conquered ourselves let's put it that way or for lack of a better word you know um we don't have a better understanding of ourselves and our body and our minds and all of that. But, you know, after the years, after having all of those experiences, which you have, you're now in a position to be able to help other people also conquer themselves, right, and find themselves and accept themselves and love themselves and all of the, all of those other things which we'll be talking about today on the show. But just, you know, going through 
your bio and just learning so much more about you. And I've been looking forward to doing this show. I mean, we I'm surprised we haven't done this show. You know, there's so much that has happened, but I'm so excited that finally it's here because we can now have this conversation. Now, I know that you do have a very interesting life journey. Um, you, I mean, and just like you mentioned earlier, you used drugs and alcohol, even though people could never really tell because you had a great job. Um, but you've been, you know, you've been through different, you know, different things. And here you are, you have this job as a scientist, right? And then you end up somewhere on the pole. I'm just saying, you know, I can't even think of how that, you know, how that's possible. And I say this because, you know, I'm a woman, I'm in Africa, I'm an African woman. I can't imagine someone who has a job as a scientist, right? What we would consider uh, uh, maybe a high paying job, or should I say a modest job or a, you know, yeah, modest job, right? And decide to end up on a pole, like, in a club. I mean, how did that even happen? <laughs> I, I'm curious, and I'm very sure that the listeners are also very curious about this. Well, let me tell you, first of all, I love I love your phrasing, ended up on the pole. I love that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never heard anyone say that before, and, and in, a, in a way, you're right. Um, I will say that uh, um, I nev- the only thing I ever did with a pole was I held on to a pole and I slid down it looking provocatively. That's all. I never, <laughs> never climbed around on a pole. Um, you don't have to do that, but, yeah, that's what many people associate mm-hmm. with uh with stripping or exotic dancers today. Um, uh, Alex, I tell you, I I had to write because I had to make some sense, you know, my book because I had to make some sense. I never in my life imagined that I would do that kind of work. What happened, if uh, you're curious, and and people usually are, is um, I actually got sober. I had this job working as this laser technician in uh, a national research facility, and it was a prestigious, uh, prestigious work we were doing. Um, but as I said, I, I was this drug and alcohol abuser, and I, I became a sober woman. And what happens when you do abuse drugs and alcohol, or or anything, quite honestly, um, that takes you out of yourself, that somewhat disconnects you from your feelings? Um, Well, it it disconnects you from your feelings. So for so many years, up until about the age of 34, I didn't really know what was going on inside of me because I was always running from me. So I become this sober woman, and then suddenly, um, well, over a a few weeks and months, and all these feelings start to emerge, things that I had stuffed down. And I'd done it also with uh, food and, and exercise besides the drugs and alcohol, but I realized that I did not like what I was doing. I wasn't happy in my work, and I think that many people can relate to that part, suddenly becoming conscious. I was never conscious before, and I started to have this consciousness about the fact that my job didn't provide anything for me other than money, and, and I was searching. I, I um, I wasn't necessarily searching to be a dancer, but um, um, I, at the time I was still that victim, and I was complaining. And one day I was complaining to my hairstylist, and he was a man, and and he said to me, "Well, you've got a nice body. Why don't you try stripping?" And I, 
I was intrigued. Um, and so I went to uh, one club in San Francisco that I knew I didn't want to work there. And, and then I went into the second club, and it was a, a gentleman's club. And it was it was nice. Let me tell you, there were uh, – it was brass uh, and, and mahogany furnishings. There were bouncers in suits. There were – Men in uh, also in suits, and they were serving, uh, being served uh, meals, four star meals, and 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 what I saw, Alex, what I saw were the women there working. They were wearing cocktail dresses, and they were wearing evening gowns, and their hair and their makeup was done, and their jewelry was sparkly, and they were getting this attention, and it and. I fell in love with that. It looked like fun. It looked like playing dress up. And at the time, I was wearing jeans and a hard hat to work. I was one of the boys. So that's what initially drew me in. You know, I'd been reading the magazines, and this is where I'm certain I'll ask you, you know, if they have the same kind of magazines where you are, the magazines that show the the really thin lady, you know, women with the beautiful designer things. I mm-hmm. was reading all those, and mm-hmm. I was envious. And so when I went into this club and I saw that, it just looked like fun. So that's what I started doing, and and that's what initially drew me in. Now, it was after I stayed and eventually quit my science job and did that as my sole profession that I began to – I began to uncover things that I was doing that that made me realize, uh, hey, you know, um, I got to change here because I I had the emotion the emotional maturity of probably a 15 year old, and I was quite honestly getting myself into some serious trouble that that could have had fatal fatal outcomes, and and that's what the bulk of my book is about is being what I call a scientist of self. I had to start questioning everything that I thought. Um, and and then, of course, I, as I questioned, then I grew myself back up and I evolved and moved uh, through the profession with a much better sense of who I was and as a much more whole mm-hmm. woman uh, embracing my body, which I'd never even given any thought to, um, so um it was it was something i never intended to do and and that's what life will do it will throw us into situations and then once we're there we have to figure out how we're going to make them work and and uh there was nowhere else for me to go <laughs> at that point i i couldn't go back to my but, own but you, job you and i was like you know i got to i was still having fun i was still having fun after a while it just became a job um, and uh, then I had to, you know, what am I going to do next? Any, anyway, and, and uh, I can give you more specifics or details, but that's that's <laughs> how it happened. It, yeah, you, it was just. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to picture it, and I kind of feel like I kind of do understand, you know, just a little. I mean, if you had a job, and I and I know this because I was in the sciences, you know, in school. You know, I went through science class and high school and then college, you know, in the university and having to do biochemistry. So I, I know how, but even though I had known all the entire time that I was an artist, right, born into 
a family of artists. My father being a musician, me, I grew up with books and movies and music. But, you know, I kind of just ended up in the sciences. So I know how boring, how very different those worlds are. So I can picture a young woman in this job that's boring, and she walks into this place, and she sees everyone looking very glamorous. And, you know, there's a tension in her. You know, it's an opportunity for her to be in the spot. I, I don't know. I do see that, and I can imagine how that must have been exciting, right? You just be right up there and knowing that um, you could be the center of attention, right? And so um, I can understand that. And I, Joe, I want—I I would like to ask you this though: was it was a job like was it paying well? Did they pay well? Did they pay well at the? Did they pay well there? Well, it, it uh, the the work is interesting. They don't um, typically you won't get a salary from where you work, but you were. I actually mm-hmm. paid to go to work. I. I had a small contract fee. Um, well, it would vary, forty, sixty, eighty dollars a night. I had to pay the club, and then mm-hmm. my income was based solely on the amount of dances I could sell. Mm-hmm. Basically, for okay. for most of the work, I, I stood mm-hmm. around in a bikini for mm-hmm. a, a large part of the clubs. Um, a few clubs I was topless, mm-hmm. and then I danced in front of them for money, and that's where I made my money. Now. If I, I ended up being a very good uh, hustler in a way, meaning meaning I got on the floor mm-hmm. and I would talk to a lot of people, and so uh, over time I got really good at it and it paid well. It paid better than what I was making at the laboratory um, when I worked. The thing about it was uh, it, it was very very tiring. Um, imagine standing on your mm-hmm on high heels for eight hours, and, and I say I was like an actress, and I was, and I was just always acting sexy, and, and that's very exhausting. So it got to the point where I would only work two or three days a week because it was tiring, and then um, I didn't want to be there any other time than that. Uh, but, yes, to answer your question, when I worked for a time in specific places, it paid very well. I can imagine. Okay, you know what, Susan? How about we take, let's take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. You're listening to The Naked Talk with Alex Okorji. You're listening to The Naked Talk. It's so uncensored. She You're listening to The Naked Talk with Alex Okorji.
you're listening to The Naked Talk with Alex Okoroji. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you're just tuning in, well, this is still The Naked Talk with Alex Okoroji. And yes, my name is Alex, and... Of course, my name hasn't changed yet. Well, I'm coming to you live all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, in the heart of West Africa. And just before we went on that commercial break, I you know, had been talking to my very special guest, Susan Bremer O'Neill. Uh, she's a speaker, uh, coach, and an author, an amazing author. And, of course, we've been talking about just basically her journey, you know, trying to find herself, right? And, of course, today on the show we're going to be talking about uh, stripping the old ideas we have about self-appeal. And, you know, I can't wait to just basically get into some more conversation with her. But just before we went on that commercial break, she was taking us through her journey from, you know, just being um, a scientist working a good job at a laboratory and just moving from there into dancing, uh, being an exotic dancer at a gentleman's club and just – why she made that decision and how that worked and how she ended up there and just basically how that has sort of brought her to who she is right now. So uh, if you're just joining us, don't forget that you can be part of this conversation. Um, if you are listening, and I do know that there are people listening from around the world. I see people who are signed into the chat room. Um, if you want to ask Susan a question or you want to call in or you want to contribute to this conversation, feel free to call in. The number is right there on your screen. You can call in. Make sure to dial 215-383-3766. And don't forget to use your hand raising effect. Make sure to press 1 so we know that you want to speak and you want to join the conversation and we'll get you right into the show. Uh, or if you want to, you can leave a message in the chat room. Leave a message in the uh, live in-studio chat room and of course your messages will be read right here. Or you can tweet at me. Just tweet at Alex Okurji and hashtag the Naked Talk. Your comments will be read on the show. Or you can send me a you can send me a WhatsApp message, and of course your comments you know your comments will be read on the show. Don't forget if you're calling from outside the U.S., make sure to use plus one at plus one two and five three eight three three seven six six, and we'll make sure to have you join the conversation. Um, yeah. So hi Susan, welcome back. Hey Alex, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Welcome back. Well, just before we went on that commercial, you did share a little bit about your experience working at the Gentleman's Club, um, you know, as a dancer, and just how you were able to, you know, the reasons why you ended up there and, you know, the fact that you had been dealing with an addiction and had gotten over that and you wanted something exciting and you stumbled it. But I need to ask you this, Bill, and I don't know if you get what was it? I mean, you did mention that you were abusing drugs and draw and alcohol, sorry. But what exactly was, why were you doing that? I mean, what were you dealing with? Or what were you trying to mask? What was it that, you know, set you off, you know, having to make? Because I'm thinking you have this good job, you're working there. What was it that you were dealing with that just sort of tipped you over that you started relying on alcohol and, and drugs to basically mask your emotions, what was it exactly that you were going through at the time? Great question. Thanks for asking. Um, like many people, um, I started when I was really young. I started when I was a teenager, maybe 14, um, mm-hmm. definitely before the age of 15. And, 
And um, uh, the nature of uh, addiction of any kind is oftentimes there may mm-hmm. be a, a genetic predisposition. I can't say for certain, but I do know I had an uncle who they said mm-hmm. drank too much. But but more than that, I was trying to escape um, the feelings of um, moving around so much. My father was in the United States Army for 20 years, and so when I was a young girl growing up, um, I didn't have any of the stability that I think is necessary mm-hmm. for, for developments of, mm-hmm. of young minds. And, and I, by, the ta- by the time I was 14 or 15, I had moved at least that many times. And in, at the age of 15, in my sophomore year of high school, I was in three different high schools. So I can't, you know, it, it gets to be complicated as to why people do that. But I do know that every time I had to leave um, friends or walk in somewhere and be the new person again, it was excruciating. And I, I uh, so what, what, what I did was, um, I, you know, it's funny. It, it's very dichotomous. I, I'm brain smart. I graduated, even though I was using drugs and alcohol throughout high school. I graduated with high honors at the age of 16, and and I also graduated with honors from technical school at the age of uh, wow. 21. But but I, so I was brain smart, and I hid in school. See, school was very easy for me. I I knew the rules. I knew that if I did the work and I filled out the papers and took the tests and um, I could get a good grade, but it was the rest of life that was really hard for me, um, and and I was always looking for that grounding. I didn't have – my family is wonderful. Uh, my parents are amazing. Um, um, I have a sister, and we're a very close family, but I think just – you know, having all of that transition when I was young had a real huh? negative effect. And so I, I like to say that I was brain smart. You know, I could I could do all this stuff, but uh, I wasn't very body smart because all those substances just took me out of any feeling within myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so I progressed through school. Um, um, I, I flew all around the United States and Canada fixing and installing laser equipment for three years in private industry. So, you know, you couldn't tell to look at me. M- maybe if you'd have gotten to know me, um, but uh, that's why. It started when I was really young. You know what's great about this conversation that we're having, and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about so many things, and I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, sometimes we, again, could really ignore certain things and certain signs. And I can't. And I say this because they're probably young people who are dealing, probably dealing with what you de- dealt with years back, but are probably dealing with that right now, right? So we're going to look at someone and look at a young girl or young boy or, you know, just a young person or a teenager and go, you know what, they're doing well in school, their grades are fine, they're okay, they're happy, Right. We don't have anything right. to complain about because we don't even realize that they're probably dealing with stuff or that the choices that we're sometimes making, in a sense, has a you know a certain effect on them. And I and I do really understand what you feel about when you say about moving around. I didn't have to move around that much. I probably just went to one primary school, you know, one, you know, high school and one. But I do know at this stage in my life, I do know what it feels like to lose, to, you know, to move about. For example, I do have a babysitter 
Oh, actually, no. I've had several, right? And every time I think of my six-year-old having, every time I think of changing someone because somebody has to travel, or somebody has to leave, I feel like, I, you know, every time he needs to get to learn, meet somebody new and learn, learn something new about this person, I even have to learn something new about this person. I'm going to bring this person to my home. This person is going to leave with me. I'm starting all over again. I know how that makes me feel. So I can imagine, you know, having a young girl who has to move from city to city or place to place and feel like every time she has to start all over again and really be the new kid. So I really wanted to have just a little bit of insight as to why, you know, you started experimenting with that and doing that. Because that's, you know, also, and and I say this because I know that those who are listening will definitely benefit from the conversations that we're having. Now, you have gone from being this person who – sort of had an addiction, dealt with her addiction, moved over, found, you know, tried to find something exciting to do, wanted to add some spark to her life, decided to go dance, and that somehow became a job for, you know, for quite a while. But you've gone on from being, you know, that dancer and or to that stripper to now becoming a woman who is empowering so many different women around the world with your self-appeal philosophy. Now, for those who are listening, and I'm sure, like, even especially here in Africa, appeal like, what is self-appeal? Like, what, what is it really? I mean, how would you describe, what is self-appeal? Well, self-appeal is uh, basically internal validation. Um, so many of our lives mm-hmm. and our world, uh, we're looking to others to approve of who we are, to validate us. But self-appeal mm-hmm. is, is building that internal validation, um, a, a building a positive mm-hmm. nurturing relationship with our body and our minds mm-hmm. so that regardless of what's happening around mm-hmm. us, we can feel good about who we are and make the healthy choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you, you – and that makes quite a lot of sense, actually, because if you feel like if you are, if you love yourself enough and you um, build a relationship with yourself, then you don't have to depend on other people to feel good about yourself. You don't have to depend on how other people see you and your body for you to appreciate yourself and your body. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of the times the choices we make, even when we dress up and when we do stuff, we do it because we want compliments and we want people to appreciate us and to value what they see in us. And we're dependent on that so much so that we don't even have any confidence about who we are and just why we're here. So I think that's really a great philosophy to sort of, um, you know, push out there and empower people or more women, if I put it that way, to appreciate themselves. So I think that's really amazing. But let me ask you this, and just thinking about that, you having to do all some of the things that you've done, did you ever experience any form of criticism? Um, Did you feel like, you know, did you feel criticized for your choice, Um, you know, for you having to go dance at the the club, or, you know, or did you even have any sort of, like, self-doubt? Did you doubt yourself at the time, or, you know, I'm just curious, really. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> Always. Um, it, I had. Uh, I had so much. Okay. So. So I'm. I was raised in a religion, and I had no education um, around uh, how beautiful and precious my body is. Everybody has this mm-hmm. really amazing body that they don't know much about. Usually, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're not giving given mm-hmm. a lot of information or education. And 
Um, so I felt shame. Um, uh, I was disconnected, as I've already said, and I felt shame about who I was. And and sexuality, um, I, I never had any kind of uh, education really around that either, any sort of um, respect. Um, I, I was never taught um not again not because my parents my family did anything malicious but it's just the nature at least of the people in our culture i don't know about your culture so when i started it's, doing it's the this it's the same here i mean <laughs> okay okay yeah no, I'm just, then, it's the same here right because as a woman you're not really told to feel anything or appreciate your body you know you're not really told you're not supposed to be a sexual being, really. So, exactly. Uh, I'm exactly. So, it's the same here, even in Africa. Yeah. So, so what happens if we're told we're not, or if we're if we're not given education, or told we're not to, then it goes into our shadow personality. We still have these urges and these feelings and these thoughts, but we don't consciously acknowledge them. So they sneak out, right? They sneak out when we're least expecting mm-hmm. it uh, in actions and behaviors, and like when we're drinking. So when I first started dancing, it, it, you were right. It, it looked exciting and it looked like fun. And I had so much shame in us, not not while I was doing it, um, uh, but as far as talking to my family or talking to other people. I, in, in a huh? way, and, and this is what I write about in my book. In a way, there were two. There were two Susans. There was the Susan that existed mm-hmm. during the day, who just kind of stayed by herself and and you know didn't have a lot of friends and and all of this and then there was the Susan at night who put these really skimpy outfits on and danced yeah. around and who had fun um and and what I had to do was I had to bring them together so um uh, my my coming to wholeness was ex- was learning about my body um accepting it learning about my sexuality uh, embracing it, and then see, and this is the thing: people, uh, our educators, uh, people want everyone to have moral values, and I agree, we should. But if you just tell someone how to be, then they don't necessarily make the healthy choices because they may rebel. So, I, I, I made this. I made peace with who I was. Um, through the experiences and my my ability to question myself and look honestly in, in inside and say, hey, you know what, society tells me I should be bad for doing this, but I'm really not hurting anyone. You know, what's the truth here? I had to find mm-hmm. my truth. Mm-hmm. So I had all of this, I did, I had self-doubt, I had shame. Eventually, you know, I told my parents and, and they were upset and, and uh and then alex so so i wrote this book right it took me 10 years to write this book and i sorted out feelings and i looked back at experiences and then for two years um i didn't really talk about my book because i was still ashamed uh that's how that's how deep seated this this uh the shame about body and and sexuality and and the the reason why I talk now, and I'm, I, I've had to. The reason why I talk now is I really do want to help people, and I've had to, I've had to uh, um, battle my own demons. I recently took up boxing, and and uh, one of the one of the uh, programs I'm working on is box it out with your inner critic because my inner critic was still keeping me 
ashamed and and full of self-doubt and uh so all of it it's it's i am i feel so honored and so blessed to be the age i am and to have lived through all these experiences and to have used them and made sense of them so that i can talk to lovely people like yourself and and just bring a, a message of internal validation, a message of hope, a message of self-love, a message of uh, um, being willing, being willing to mm-hmm. continue to look at oneself with love um, and not fear. You know, we, we, it doesn't help to fear ourselves. Then we don't learn anything. Then we don't have any opportunity to really know what's happening. So that's a very long answer about shame and self-doubt. But <laughs> I, I I got going there. So, there, yeah. But, you, you know, I, 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 re- I really respect what you're doing, and I think you're such a brave woman. Um, and, you know, one of those really brave women that we all need to emulate, because we all do have things that we're not necessarily proud of. And sometimes, you know, I think the degree of difference is how many people do know your stuff and how many people don't know your stuff, right? So um, I feel like just the fact that you are able to learn and use some of the things that you have experienced to be able to now use it to empower people, and that's what it all comes down to. We leave, we do live in a society where people are constantly, especially women, are constantly judged by the, by the choices that they've made and the mistakes that they've made and and, of course, you know, people get criticized. I remember when I first started trying to, um, when I first created my blog, and I called it Alexandra and Her Naked Thoughts. And you can just imagine what some people thought and what some people said. Why would I naked? You know, I'm so graphic in my – and I did that because I needed to deal – I wanted to be able to challenge myself, and I wanted to deal with – you know, I felt like I needed to deal with certain things and be able to put myself out there and put myself into a new terrain. I had – you know, experience some challenges in my relationship, my marriage didn't work, and all of that. But then, you know, you want to be able to put yourself, and some people do think, oh, it was just an excuse for me to be naughty, <laughs> right? And then I have this show called The Naked Talk. But then the, the, the thing is, at the end of the day, you are using something that you have experienced that to some people might be embarrassing, but to others it is empowering, and that's what is amazing about your life journey, and that's what I find really, truly um, a blessing, really, just listening to, to you and some other things. And I wanted to ask that because, you know, we're talking about self-validation and all of that, and women are constantly, you know, slut-shamed, sometimes, you know, especially around the world, not just in Africa, you know, you're slut-shamed for dressing a certain way, for thinking a certain way. Sometimes it's not even has nothing to do with, you're not trying to call any attention to yourself. It's nothing to do with you trying to overly sexualize yourself or anything like that. But then you just put out there and people would judge you and criticize you. And so I, I wanted to, I really wanted to know what it was like knowing that you are this really book smart woman who does, who was dancing. And, you know, and I can't just imagine if you were an African woman, that would be like, oh, my goodness, people are just going to go crazy. But it's great that you're here and we're learning so much. But just before we take a quick musical break, I do want to ask you this, though, um, and I know that there are lessons. What would you say is one positive lesson you know, about your sexuality, something that you learned as a dancer now, 
um, that, you know, being an erotic dancer gave you, something that you took away that women can now apply today, you know, to help them fall more in love with themselves? What is the one thing you can think, if you can think of anything, and I know you probably learned so many lessons, but if you can think of one thing that you feel that you took away, that you learned on the job, that is something you carry along with you right now that you know that women can use in helping themselves be more in love with themselves? Well, I hope this is uh, appropriate and relevant, but one of the biggest things I learned is that sexual response, like a sexual feeling, um, doesn't need to be mm-hmm. acted on. And 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 mm-hmm. and that may mm-hmm. that may seem like a no-brainer, Alex. But but um, I was very promiscuous when I was young, long before I ever started dancing. And um, oh, you know what? I'll mm-hmm. say one other thing quick, and and I know you want to take a break. Um, <laughs> that uh uh sex having 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 lustful feelings for somebody uh mm-hmm. doesn't mean there's going to be a relationship that will evolve that's not how mm-hmm. lasting relationships mm-hmm. start at least it's not been my experience so those are two things mm. okay we're going just hold the, hold that thought we're going to definitely come back on that but let's take a quick let's take a quick musical break. I do feel like we do, we do need some sort of music in this house, and this is "He Only Loves Me on the Dance Floor" by Madeline Victoria, and she was a guest on the show sometime in April or May, I think April, and uh, we'll be back. Enjoy. <laughs>
Yes, and that was He Only Loves Me on the Dance Floor with Madeline Victoria. And, yeah, she was a guest on the show, and that was uh, such a beautiful song. Um, so, yes, this is still the Naked Talk with Alex Okorji, and, yes, I am coming to you live all the way from Lagos in Nigeria, the heart of West Africa. And I've been having such an amazing conversation with my very special guest, uh, Susan Bremer O'Neill. She is uh, an amazing keynote speaker. She is uh, a self-relationship coach and, of course, the author of the book, from sex appeal to self appeal, and we've been having such a great conversation. Hi, Susan. Hey, Alex. Welcome back. Okay, so um, just before we went on that uh, musical break, I mean, I did ask you a question, and you did say something. Um, kind of left us on, you know, a little bit on the notes. You said something about your lustful feelings not being something that people really need to act on. If I'm correct. And it just had me thinking, actually, while we were in that musical break, um, because I've always thought, and I do kind of like really maybe agree in a sense, because I feel like, I don't know how many times I've looked at someone, you know, or I watch a film where I see someone and I go like, oh, my goodness, that guy is so cute. But I'm not really thinking, you know, I'm going to have to go all the way. So I do imagine that, you know, being right there in the club, um, streaming or dancing is pretty much a test on – um, what's that word? A test in control, self-control, if that makes any sense, right? Because maybe even for the person who's watching as well as the person who's dancing, because you can see this really half-naked woman or whatever it is, you know, or, you know, she's dressed in, scantily, scantily dressed, but it's not like you can automatically have your way with her, right? So it must be some um, – it doesn't necessarily mean that it translates to anything more, if that makes any sense. Or oh, am I correct or oh, am I wrong? Oh, you're totally correct. And and let me say that um, the clubs that I worked in, and most of them, are were, were just visual fantasy. There was nothing else going on mm-hmm. other than dancing. And, mm-hmm. and um, for mm-hmm. me – now, it's, it's different being – We have to remember that I was older and I was sober, so it was quite different for me Mm -hmm. maybe than younger girls, uh, definitely different than the customers. Mm -hmm. And customers go in looking, and I I asked the man this. When I started working, because I guess that's that scientific training in me, but I asked them, hey, what are you looking for in here? And and, uh, they told me they were looking for conversation and, and you know, fantasy Mm -hmm. and so for them, there might have been more need <laughs> for self-control or restraint. Mm-hmm. For me, typically mm-hmm. there wasn't. It was an act. I, I just I perfected the mm-hmm. role, and and the thing that I want to say, um, uh, but there were uh, one or two incidences I do write about where, um, yeah, there was uh, um, more of a, a sexual feeling that I had within the club and. Mm-hmm. That also helped to help to put me on this journey of of exploring my own sexuality outside the club um, um, mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to groups. You know, mm-hmm. I tried to find a place where I fit in because the old religious um, dogma that I'd been reared in um, that didn't make much mm-hmm. sense. And 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 you know, and then there were the groups that were like anything goes sexually. Well, those didn't feel good to me either. So I, I tried to explore and find my own place in the world. Um, the thing that I want to say um, that I think is really important um, about sexuality is uh, um, if there is less, 
if, if there is more open dialogue, like what we're having, and there's mm-hmm. more discussion and honest consideration that we teach to young mm-hmm. people especially, then women who are going into these professions for money or for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have a better sense of their own self-respect and they won't get caught up in mm-hmm. some of the things that are out there that are um, – you know, really detrimental. I mean, you know, there is there it, it, within the clubs. At least here, there are. You know, there is drugs, there is alcohol, there are people coming, mm-hmm. men specifically, but sometimes women coming in that they're they're not healthy. It's not a healthy in in a body, mind, spirit sense of the world environment. And so, I think that if there is less shame one has around their body and their choices then they're actually able to make healthier choices. So, um, yeah, so for me, it was uh, um, vis- it, w- it was an acting job after a while, and with the occasional, <laughs> with the occasional not, but, you know, with, with, with different mm-hmm. feelings. But for the most part, it, <laughs> it mm-hmm. was an acting job. <laughs> but I do, I, do, I do get you. And here's the thing, and you're saying something that's really important, that we need to have more dialogue and conversations about sex and sexuality and women and it being okay to feel what you're feeling and be comfortable in your own body and your own skin. Because, again, and I say this, we're in Africa, it, you know, you're, you're brought up to be a prude in a sense, right? Mm. You're not allowed to think a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way. I mean, yes, like you said, we all need to keep, you know, have good morals. But at the end of the day, you want that to be a choice that somebody has to make for themselves and not something that society just slaps on them and says, hey, this is how you're supposed to talk or act or behave or think or feel, right? You want to be able to have those choices. And I think that that's why even it happens because a lot of times you see people who are leaving double lives. Right, who are leaving, who have two personalities. They're raised up in a very highly spiritual family upbringing. They're not allowed to, but the things that they do when people are not looking at them are beyond, like, ludicrous. You're like, oh, my goodness, how is that even possible that this person could be doing this? But then if you, if you grow up in, a, you know, in an environment where people are more open-minded or more liberal, what then happens is that you now start to, because it's no longer um, – a phenomenon, a big deal for you. You know, you've had this conversation. There's nothing that is, you know, that has to lure you because you're not, you're open to this. You've had this. You've seen it. You've, you know, and I guess that's, again, is where that beauty comes from because sometimes you have people who have experimented with stuff and they try things out and then they have to decide for themselves, you know what, I tried it and I didn't like it. Or, you know, I didn't, you know, as opposed to somebody who doesn't even have an idea of how that is or how that works and all that. But, you know, let's let's move on with the conversation. Let me ask you this. I do know that you released a DVD, right, or a series of DVDs, actually. But I do know that there's one called Striptease for Real Women, if I'm correct. Um, how did that go? Like, why did you come up with that? And how did women, how did people receive it? How did women receive it? I mean, was it something that people loved? What did they think about it? Um, you you are correct in, in a sense. It was strip. Uh, wait, yes, it is. Um, I'm I'm my my brain my my brain must be on a coffee break. Yes, striptease for real women. <laughs> um, when I was giving the class, it it evolved when I was uh, giving classes in the San Francisco California Bay Area. Um, I was giving uh, initially they were strip for your lover classes and and the dvd is mm-hmm. striptease for real women the 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 women were coming 
and this really piggybacks on what you were just saying. The women, the women were coming to learn, you know, sexy moves for their boyfriends or their husbands or their partners, and and I could teach them that. But after working with them for a while, I realized what they were really coming for was uh, permission. They wanted permission to to be okay, f- wanting to feel sexy, and they wanted permission huh? to feel really good about their bodies and this part of who they were. Um, and so mm-hmm. uh, that's how, uh, after giving the classes for a while, that's when I made the DVD. And the DVD did really well uh, for a long time when I marketed it. It's it's um, it's a few years old now. But uh, in, in it, there are ten former students, real women. It's it's made for real women. Um, that was a lot of fun. And and working with the women, I used to I used to go and do parties in people's homes where, like bachelorette parties, and and I would teach them all a sexy mm-hmm. routine or something. Um, so yeah, that was that was well received. It was a lot of fun, and I still have that available. Oh well, you know I can't wait. I'd love to see it because I'm not gonna lie to you, Susan. I you know I would like to bust the rumor too, like learn something. You know, who knows? I think we can. You know, we we should have some of those tricks in the bags. You never know. <laughs> so well, I would love to see it. I would definitely love to watch the DVD. Um. Well, they're and and they're really simple things too. Um, uh, women uh, of any age or, or size or shape. I had a woman in my class once. I I was must have been in her seventies or eighties. I'm not sure. And she just wanted, you know, she just wanted to have fun and feel good. And and uh, and you don't need to hang on a pole. You know, that's okay if you have a pole and you want to learn that. But you don't need to do that. There's really simple things. And uh, um, anyway, yeah, I like yeah. Anybody can bust a move, Alex. I I would love to bust one. You know, like I, I just, I, you know, here's the thing, and it's nothing really to do with just wanting to have sexy moves or all of that, or for you know somebody else. But really, like you say, just being comfortable in your own skin and not being, you know, not feeling shy or uncomfortable with yourself and just how your body feels and how you carry yourself. And I think that a lot of people could do with a little bit of help in that in that department. But let me ask you this. There is, there's a question for you. Um, actually, there are two questions, but there's one from on, from Twitter. This is from Tom, Thomas Savino. Okay, I don't know. Maybe he knows you. But he says, Susan, I know you meditate now. Do you think as an addictive team, meditation would have helped you then? Um, uh, I, I, it, it probably would have. I don't think I was. Um, I, I would have had to be open to it. So I, I don't think. Um, uh, I, I don't. I'm, I wasn't in a headspace. I don't think addicted people, especially at the way I was, actually can do that. I think. I think anyone who is using drugs or alcohol need to put the drugs and alcohol down first. I mean, you can attempt to. It, it may make a little bit of a difference, mm-hmm. but nothing of any major importance will help until you get rid of the substances. Okay, I think that makes a lot of sense. But I hope that answers TJ's question. Thomas Savino, he wanted to know that. But that makes a lot of sense because, you know, for you to even be in the headspace to meditate, it means that you want to take out – you want – you you need to have you know be done with the addiction first of all to be able to get that clutter out and um, well I guess that makes a lot of sense well but you know just before we get into and I know we've been talking for so long we probably had to let you go very soon but before that 
Um, I do know that, um, you know, I, I was going to ask, now, how do you, how would you say that women now can cultivate a, a personality that sort of empowers them, you know, for life? I mean, how, what are the things that they can do to sort of embrace certain characteristics about themselves that sort of, like you say, you know, empowers them to be more in love or appreciative of themselves? You know, what are those things? What are the things that they could do? Well, I think they can take. Right. I, I think first we all have to, to realize and really know that if we want relationships with others, that they start with the relationship we have with ourselves. And, and people in our lives are mirrors for us. So um, uh, I do have on my website, I do have an audio. It's a, it's a short audio that lists many, uh, uh, actually it lists my self-appeal process to begin to uh, love your body um, so that you can make changes or just to feel better about who you are. It's, that's a complimentary download. Um, one of the steps in that audio is to be uh, what I call, as I mentioned, a scientist of self. So oftentimes we run from ourselves, we're afraid of ourselves, but until we stop and actually start to um, know ourselves, and, and for instance, the, uh, I heard you talking last uh, uh, Wednesday with your guest, and, and the, the automatic behavior of coming home and going right th- for the refrigerator um, until we stop and really question ourselves, hey, you know, why am I doing that? And then we start to look at the reasons in order to get to the core of um, why we're eating to cover up feelings. I mean, I mean, if we're eating, because not because we're hungry. So being able to ask the hard questions like that, you know, hey, what's really going on with me, that's one way that we can override the negative thoughts that we have and begin to feel better then about who we are and build that confidence, that authentic confidence that will make us really shine in our lives. Amazing. You know, and, 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 and you're correct, you know, that at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to because I think a lot of the times, you know, we're all dealing with so many questions, right, doubts, limiting beliefs and thoughts we have about just ourselves and how, you know, the world perceives us, perceives us out there and how we can, you know, make so with women like you who've been there, put yourself out there and it takes a lot of, you know, like I said, it takes a lot of, it takes to be brave to put yourself out there and to be able to share your story. And But let me ask you, and this is me just being curious, what would be the one thing, and I know that you take this conversation on the road, you're coaching people all the time, you're speaking and you know, at events and, and colleges and places and all of that. What would you? What probably is the one? If you can think of anybody that you have, maybe had a conversation with or coached or tried to empower, some sort of feedback or something that they shared with you that totally just made makes everything that you've experienced worth it. Do you think it's something? Oh, um, yeah, I know, um, well, I have, I have one client, and I know that uh, she's talked to me about her sexuality, and, and these are things that she would never talk to anyone else about, and 
the the progress that she's made the just just seeing what's happened in her life from her ability to find uh, one person in the world to be completely honest and and trust um mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the the feedback would be the um, the ability to be uh, vulnerable and authentic with someone has provided the change that they um, has provided the the uh, um, the, the crucible um, of change. You know, so they could make the change. I guess that would be it. Yeah, I I'm, okay. I could probably you know, think of more, but I'm. <laughs> Okay, I know, and I know I just put you there on the spot. But just before we wrap this up, and I know that I have to let you go, let's talk about your book. You know, you are the author of this book, From From Sex Appeal to Self Appeal, and you shared a bit of your story and your journey there. But just for the sake of those, especially if they're just tuning in or if they, you know, probably missed some portions of this conversation, uh, what is the one thing that this book addresses, and what is the thing that they can find, you know, getting a copy of this book? What do they, what do they stand to see and peek and learn, you know, or find in this book? I, I dedicate the book to all the lost girls and lonely women looking for love in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. And if that's you, um, you know, your audience, anyone out there, Um, What this book does is it provides uh, really interesting stories um, written uh, written creatively and a a very loose Mm -hmm. journey on how you stay with yourself to uncover the motivations and the reasoning behind your actions so that you can build that relationship and get to a place – where you want to be in your life. I was lonely and and uh, addicted and and today I'm happy, fulfilled and and in a long-term relationship. Um and so it's a it's a message of hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. But that's you know, I think that's again that's what people are looking for because really if you're looking for love in the wrong place, I always you know, I Again, you know, we've all struggled with one, struggled with that one way or another. You know, hoping that somebody else, you have to validate your existence and yourself um, by looking for, you know, looking at looking for someone else really to appreciate you, as opposed to looking inside yourself. I always say, if you're looking for love, hold up a mirror, like you know, just hold ah. a mirror to your face, and that's the first place to start. Yeah, you're right. You're totally when right. You, yeah. You know what, um, Susan, it has been such an amazing pleasure. And we've been talking for so long. I don't know if you realize how long we've been talking, but we've been talking for quite a while. Um, This has been for over an hour, actually. And this has been such a great conversation. Um, Just having you come here and just, you know, share so much of yourself and so much of your experience and so much of your journey. And I think it's an amazing stuff that you're doing out there, empowering women and girls to take control of themselves and their bodies and own themselves, right? So just, you know, something fine, final words for the road, you know, something that we can take, we can slip on, you know, as we leave, you know, something we can think back and say, you know, um, I heard this from Susan Bremer, you know, something that we can hold on to. What would you say? I would say uh, check out my website, selfappeal.com, and then <laughs> work on comparing yourself only to yourself. Mm. 
Mm. Compare yourself only to yourself. That's great advice, actually. That's very great. And that's what I tell myself all the time. I tell myself I'm only in competition with myself. I'm not competing with anybody else. I'm not comparing myself with anybody. The only person I need to outdo is my last, (laughs) is my last, you know, I'm the only only person I need to outdo is myself. So I always want to be better. I want to grow. And that's what I tell myself. And so I think that is such a great advice. So um, I know that the listeners can find you on your website. They can go to selfappeal.com or they can go to susanbremeronil.com, if I'm correct. Yes, yes, you are. And where else on social media can they find you? I know that you hang out on social media. So where can they find you? Your Facebook, or Twitter, oh. or where? Where can they find you? Yeah, uh, great. Both. They could okay. Uh, okay, connect great. with me. They connect with me at, at Self Appeal. Um, they can find me. On Facebook, I have both uh, Self Appeal with Susan Bremer O'Neill, and then I have my name as an author site. I'm on Instagram as well, uh, mm-hmm. Self Appeal Susan, um, and I'm coming uh, slowly to uh, Google Plus and Pinterest. But uh, yeah, <laughs> connect with me there as well. I would love to continue the conversation. Great, great. And this has been such a pleasure, and I wish we could talk for so much longer, but I know that we have to let you go. But I would like for you to come back some other time of the show, you know, when, you know, something else is happening. I would love to bring you back, maybe when we're having one of those roundtable conversations, and we do that here on the show sometimes. We have two, three, four, five, six other guests, and, you know, everyone can pitch in, and we can have a great conversation about a great topic. How about that? Oh, Alex, I would be so honored. I would really love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Um, do have a great, great, awesome day. I know it's still midday for you there, and if not in the U.S., it's nighttime here already in Nigeria. But I would, you know, we'll stay in touch. Don't forget, we'll stay in touch, and I'll let you know once um, we have this up on the blog. So um, have a great day, Susan. Thank you, Alex. You have a good night and a good weekend. I will. You too. You too. All right, great. guys, that was such a great conversation with my very special guest who's joining me live all the way from California in the U.S., uh, um, keynote speaker, self-relationship coach, and author of the book From Sex Appeal to Self-Appeal, Susan Bremer O'Neill. And that was such – we had such a really fun conversation, didn't we? Now, I saw you guys. You guys were right here listening, and you guys dialed in, but most of you were not using your hand-raising effect. And then you people would try to call in when we were on commercial break. But I'm getting, I'm just receiving WhatsApp messages and all of that, which I'm probably just going to email to Susan so that you can, um, whatever other questions you guys have, you can reach out to her and you can sort of communicate with her and take it, take it, take it, take, take it out from there, right? So don't forget, you can find her at her official website. You can go to www.selfappeal, or you can go to her personal website at uh, www.tolearnmorebouthat.com. SusanBremerUnil.com. It's definitely in the show notes. You can click on it, or it'll be right up on our blog. Now, I cannot wait. You know, I'm so excited. If you missed TNT Summit Live, if you missed six days of TNT Summit Live, don't forget that you can get on our waiting list for the downloadable recording. Just go to bit.ly slash TNT Summit waiting list. And make sure to apply so you can be one of the first 100 creators to get a 50% slash. Like, yeah, I mean, if you missed that conversation, if you missed – Six days of bliss, 
with my 25 speakers from around the world, you really need to go go get on that waiting list. Now, guys, this is such an amazing Friday radio spe- special. Sorry, I'm very excited. I have a Supreme Court justice coming in on the show next week, a U.S. Supreme Court justice. Can you imagine that? <laughs> anyway, I have amazing people lined up for the rest of for the rest of July and August on the Naked Talk and September. It's going to be a crazy year. Believe me, amazing conversations, authentic people, and really, really, really great talks to empower our minds. Now, until we come back, same time next week on Talk Wednesday with my very special guest and Fighter Radio special, I say have a great day, and I love you for listening. Ciao. Talk with Al.